from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. And welcome to Career Talk, your career insider here on Business Radio. We are powered by the Wharton School, and we are on Sirius XM Channel 111 live every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. Pacific. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. I'm the career director for the Wharton MBA for Executives program right here in sunny Philadelphia. I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter. And we have the dream team, Michelle and Dion, who make everything on this show sound awesome. Hey, we've got a great guest for you today, and so I'm going to give you the phone number early so that you can get in queue. Our number is 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866, because today we welcome back Suzanne Lucas, a.k.a. the evil HR lady. Suzanne spent 10 years in corporate human resources where she hired, fired, managed the numbers, and double-checked with the lawyers. Her clients include Inc.com, CBS Money Watch, Business.com, and Comstock Magazine, where she publishes several articles per week in the areas of career growth, managing people, and great ideas for small businesses. So we are super excited to have Suzanne back, and if you want more information, you can check her out at evilhrlady.org. Suzanne, welcome. Welcome. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Well, you're one of our our favorite guests. The listeners love to call in and ask those juicy HR questions that they just can't ask at their current organization. So, hey, if you're listening and you're wondering why you keep getting told that there's no money in the budget for your promotion or raise or why you have to take on all this extra work and not get a title change or what the heck is going on behind the scenes when you are trying to get hired by a company and they're ghosting you Or maybe they're just telling you you're overqualified. And what the heck does that mean? You have tuned in on the right day because Suzanne, a.k.a. the Evil HR Lady, is here to share all of her secrets with you. And you can give us a call all hour at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. We are taking your calls live if it's Thursday at noon Eastern Time. 844-942-7866. You can also tweet your questions at Dr. Don Graham. So... Okay, what's shaken in the HR world, Suzanne? Well, the big news in the HR world was the total disaster at Uber, um, exposed by a female engineer uh, last week. So that was really, that's, that's what's going on in the HR world. Everyone's panicking about sexual harassment and, and uh, what do we do about star performers who are jerks? Yeah, it's interesting in the age of social media because, I mean, I don't think sexual harassment is anything new. It's just that it, you know, right now, I mean, anything that happens blows up on social media. So it's really difficult for anything to kind of kind of be kind of tucked under the covers and just disappear like maybe, you know, a decade or two ago. Yeah, but there's two sides of that as well because, uh, you know, uh, to be honest, All we have is this one woman's word for it. She could be lying through her teeth. I don't know. You don't know. You haven't conducted an investigation. And that's one problem with social media is we like to, you know, crucify somebody before we get all the facts because you never have all the facts from one article, one tweet, one whatever. Yeah. I saw somebody who said, yeah, now it's not, it's not, you know, proof of, of, you have to prove it. There's no burden of proof. It's now whatever the emotional state is on social media is what, is what people believe. So, um, so... This is a pretty intense topic, um, and and definitely, if you have any questions on it, we want to hear from you at eight four four Wharton. That's eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Or maybe you're in HR and you've dealt with this, but but this is this is um, pretty widespread, and it's a it's a very gray area sometimes because, hey, you know, it's like was that comment meant that way? Was it not meant that way? Here's a question I have for you, Suzanne. If somebody's is questioning this, if they bring this issue or question to HR. Do you need to co- keep it confidential? You can't keep everything confidential. So if, if I come to you and say, hey, you know, my, the guy in the cube next to me is always watching porn, you can investigate that without bringing my name up at all. You know, you call the IT department, they look at it, they say, oh, yes, he is, and, you know, investigation is done. My name doesn't have to come up. 
But if I say the guy in the cube next to me keeps talking to me in an inappropriate way or keeps asking me out on dates and I keep telling him no, in order for you to investigate that, my name has to come up. You can't be like, so, Bill, uh, have you uh, asked somebody out on a date? Right. There's just, there are things that cannot be kept confidential if you want them investigated. And sometimes people don't want things investigated. They just want you to hear them. But the company has a legal obligation to investigate sexual and racial discrimination charges. So what if somebody else brings it to your attention and says, hey, I hear this, this person keeps asking out somebody else and it's, you know, I think it's a problem. Then what? Then you got to investigate. Um, but that investigation can be simple. You know, if it's you, you're saying, oh, I, I hear that so-and-so is happening. And you can go to the, you know, the, the supposed victim and say, hey, is this happening? And the person can say yes or no. And if they say, oh, yeah, he's asking me out, but I want to go out with him, you know, case closed. But sometimes people aren't willing to bring things up themselves because they don't want to get in trouble and they don't want retaliation and I wish I could say retaliation didn't happen but it does happen and it shouldn't but it does yeah I I agree with you and I think I mean we're not just talking about sexual harassment we're talking about bullying which has become more commonplace in in you know the office space we're talking about um, you know people who are afraid of being whistleblowers and all of these things and and I do think people at the end of the day are afraid that they're going to be the ones that lose their jobs or lose out in this situation so they don't tend to go to HR is that something that you you find well yeah they don't and there's actually an an interesting study out actually the horrifying study out last that I just wrote about last week where they discovered that people in the office that are not being bullied but are observing someone being bullied no matter what the victim does the rest of the office doesn't stand up for them so wow yeah isn't that terrifying because <laughs> i would like to think that if somebody's being mean to my coworker, that i would step in and mm-hmm. say hey why is that suzanne why are people not saying anything Well, you know, when I wrote the article, I got a lot of feedback from people and some people who were um, the victims and some people who had had watched someone be a victim. And the overwhelming thing was I didn't want to be the next victim. So, you know, if I stepped in and tried to protect the bully and tried to protect the victim from the bully, the bully was going to turn on me and then my life was going to be a living hell. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, um, but it also explains why one office bully can really increase turnover, even among people that are not the target. You know, no one wants to be around it, but no one's willing to stand up for it, which is just terrifying to me. Yeah, and it's 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 interesting because I've been in work situations where you have a rock star employee that they're great at sales or whatever it is they do, they are bringing in significant revenue for the company. And I've seen companies turn the other way when they treat people poorly because they think, well, you know, they're 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 doing great in whatever their job is. But what they're not realizing is how much productivity and great employees they're losing because this one person who may be, you know, doing great in his or her job is kind of leaving dead bodies in the wake. Well, exactly. And it's part of the problem is we don't calculate turnover on, you know, the line item budget thing. You know, it's just something that happens and we don't calculate what the true cost is for things like that. Lower productivity, higher turnover. Probably your superstar isn't bringing in enough to make up for the cost as you said, the dead bodies in his wake. Mm-hmm. So this is interesting, too, when you start to add power to the equation. So a lot of people work for, you know, what they might classify as a bad boss. And there's lots and lots and lots of different classifications of bad bosses. Maybe you have the micromanager. Maybe you have the bully. You know, maybe you have the person who who doesn't care about anything or doesn't help you to grow or progress in any way. I mean, the, the person who kind of dumps at you at 6 p.m. and is like, now you have four more hours of work. I mean, hey, if you're out there listening, I I am certain that the people in their cars right now 
have a bad boss story. So give us a call 844 Wharton. That's 844-942-7866. Or maybe you're the bad boss and you want to do true confessions on Career Talk. We love that too. 844 Wharton. It's 844-942-7866. So this is a difficult situation because, I mean, the studies are pretty consistent that the reason people quit their jobs is often due to their boss working for somebody who is just a terrible mismatch. So what do you do in this case? If you're the employee, you don't have a power card to play, and um, you want to keep your job, but your boss is just making your life miserable, Suzanne. It depends on how miserable is miserable. Because I've seen a lot of times where people treat their relationship with their boss more seriously than they treat the relationship with their spouse. Like, if my husband really annoys me, I'll just divorce him and move on. But my boss has been abusing me for 15 years, and I'm going to stay right there. Um, which, you know, that wow. doesn't make any sense. It <laughs> happens Well, your boss all. is paying you, I guess. You can, <laughs> you yeah. can maybe rationalize it in your mind that way. Right. I'm getting paid by the boss, and I still have to wash my husband's dirty socks. So, <laughs> Who's doing that? Who's doing that? <laughs> They should be washing the socks. Anyway, another topic for another day. So my first question is to evaluate, you know, do you really have to have this job? And oftentimes the answer to that is no, and you should devote your time to finding a new job. And as soon as you find one, leave. Don't quit before you have the new job, Mm -hmm. uh, but do that. But if you really can't move, and there are some situations where you can't, move on um, for a variety of reasons. One might be that you have a health issue that you need FMLA time for, and you're not eligible for FMLA until you have been at the company for a year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you you can't leave. If you're pregnant, leaving now is not a good time because then you're not protected in a new job. Um, so, you know, there are some reasons why you wouldn't want to leave. One thing that you can do is try to transfer internally to get away from the the bad boss because then you don't lose any of your um, time at the company and any coverage from the Family Medical Leave Act or any health insurance changes. And the other thing you can do is kind of compartmentalize and be like, okay, my boss is the jerk. The problem is her, not me. Mm -hmm. And that can be kind of hard to do, but sometimes you you can actually do that and, you know, build that wall and when she yells at me, it's because she's crazy, not because I'm a poor performer. But that stress builds up. I mean, there's that article not too long ago that, like, you know, stress at work is just as bad as smoking cigarettes or things of that nature because it's gotten that bad. So, I mean, is there any salvation? Like, can you actually sit down with your, your boss and have a heart-to-heart conversation and just say, look, um, you know, I, I'm pretty good at, w- at what I'm doing here. I'm getting great ratings. I don't need you to be in my office 10 times a day. You can, and sometimes that is successful. And I personally have had success when I I had a boss that kept imposing all of these crazy rules. And I said to her, what goal are you trying to accomplish? And she told me, blah, blah, blah. And I said, but that, I don't have a problem with that. (laughs) And she said, oh, yeah, you're right. That won't apply to you. And I was able to get outside of it. Just by saying, what are you trying to do? And sometimes you can say, look, give me a chance. You know, you leave me alone for a week. I promise I will get my work done. I will keep you posted. I will send you a report email every day. Mm-hmm. And a good manager, I, I shouldn't say a good manager, a good person will recognize that because you can be a good person and a lousy manager. I like what you're saying. You're basically saying, Suzanne, is understand their motivation. Like maybe they're on top of you because their boss is on top of them or maybe it's a particularly stressful time in their life or maybe they have something going on that that they're not seeing or you're not seeing. And once you get to that understanding and understand their motivation – you can come up with a great solution. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you've got a bad boss you want some help with, or you just always wanted to find out the juicy secrets in the HR department, you are here on the right day because we've got the evil HR lady, aka Suzanne Lucas, back on Career Talk with us. And if it's Thursday, we are live noon Eastern. 9 a.m. Pacific, and we're taking your calls all hour at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. So I have to say, while we're talking about bad bosses, Suzanne, have you ever had a bad boss? 
I've never had a tremendously bad boss. You know, I, I well, no, I take that back. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. You're I'm taking you back to. Here we go. The, the only really, truly bad boss I had was in high school. Um, or I worked at Burger King and <laughs> you're really going back. Now. I was knowing this guy, he used to try to argue religion with me and, uh, I got the last word because it turned out I went to the same church as his boss. Ha ha, it all ended. <laughs> but he was my only truly terrible boss. But I've had bosses that have definite issues that could have been improved upon. Yeah, I got to I gotta ask Michelle and Dion, do you guys ever have a boss who's done something that you're just like, really, seriously, like, I know you have, so it's true confession. <laughs> we might have at some point. Not I'm now, sure. but I can't so. think of any specific example. I can't either. Really? I, I had a boss. I think I, I might have told you guys this. I had a boss who literally made me write out my voicemails on index cards before leaving them um, because I left really long voicemails. So. Oh, that's so a good one. So don't ever expect a voicemail from me because now I am. Yeah, long, too... long voicemails are not good. Well, well, okay. And, and <laughs> Hi, my, this is done. In my um... defense, it was 20 years ago when people actually still used phones to call people. So this is this is before text and an instant message. I mean, yeah, pretty much this was the dark ages. So you had to leave voicemails. But did you get better at it with time? Well, yeah. Now I just don't. Well, you don't have to do it anymore. But um, most of the time I'd write out my voicemail. And then I'd get, I'd actually get the person on the phone. Like, oh, that's a waste of time. Then. It was a waste of time. So I'm so like, so you basically sent a text. Yeah, I mean, basically, <laughs> I'm like, can you hang up and let me leave you a voicemail? But <laughs> we're gonna go to Jake in Texas. Jake, welcome to Career Talk. How can we help you today? Uh, Long time listener, I love what you guys do. I, I live in Houston and I work at a nonprofit. And recently, we we're going through our goals and going through all that information. And I've been with the company going on six years, and I've documented because there's been so much transition direct to my position. Over 30 transitions in our 80-employee uh, organization, really small, ton of turnover. So I started documenting it. I presented it in the goals when we were going over the objective goals, and then a lot of subjectivity started coming in, the objective versus subjective factor. And the, the response was, well, I'm looking at it from the law of the land and not the spirit of the law. Mm-hmm. I think I know what that means because... It makes sense, but I've been in the business for about 15 years in total, so I have a ton of connections. So for me, a spirit of the law, which I think is working harder, putting more into it, is a lot easier than that of my coworker that holds the same title with about three years of experience. The law of the land versus the spirit of the law. Suzanne, What I mean, I think you pretty much deal with just the law, period. (laughs) But maybe not. I'm not quite sure what they're getting at with that because I, I think of it in like a, a a term, you know, when I say, you know, the law of the land versus the spirit, you know, the law of the land is you have to let an employee that qualifies for FMLA have FMLA, if, but the spirit would say, well, it doesn't technically qualify for FMLA because they didn't have an overnight stay in the hospital, but they're really, really sick, so we'll give it to them anyway. So to me, that's what we're getting at. I'm not quite sure what they're getting at there. Can you give me a little bit more idea? Yeah, so Jake, um, boil it down to like a, you know, to just a very direct question. Yeah, so we um, we have goals to get to, uh, let's say, 220 uh, contacts. Well, for okay. me, 220 contacts I could give to you in two weeks, and I think they know that. My, my coworker, for instance, I'm just looking at the comparison, so it's easier. She could probably do 220 in about, it'll probably take her six months. So for a whole 12-year goal, or 12-month goal, 220 for me is super easy objectively. Um, So they know that I can make some phone calls and some texts and some emails, get coffee, and get my 220 in a matter of weeks. But they know that it'll take her longer. So um, what I think they're they're asking is for me to work harder to get different context outside my resource base um the spirit of the law being subjective and more emotional than fact-based to um to, to work harder to get outside my sphere um, that's what i understand it to be is that because we're we're like we're set up like a ministry and education ministry. so are you talking about like um are you talking about like your performance goals here jake 
Like yeah. that you're yeah. basically saying that everybody's got a goal of 220, but since 220 is super easy for you, they're kind of saying like your goal is really double that, but we're not going to put that in writing. That's that's kind of what I asked. So then I said, you know, that has to get a what we manage as a, a 3.0, one, two, three, four, five, five is exceptional. Um, to get the 3.0 would be hit the 220. So then my the argument came up, and this is how they got to the spirit of the law mention, was I said, if I get to 240, almost 10% more, could that be a 4.0 and then 250 be a 5.0? And so it's really focusing on the objective numbers, and that's when they really pushed back with the spirit of the law comment. Threw me off because they didn't want to agree. So from an HR perspective, I thought it would be interesting listening to the show, calling in and asking what um, if objective versus subjective information is more helpful from my middle management employee job. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to say that I think in any situation, if you're talking about performance goals and how that translates into pay or promotion or to whatever perks your company has, I mean, I think it's really difficult to do that subjectively. I mean, obviously, Suzanne, you brought up FMLA. That's, that's a different thing. But I think if we're talking about performance goals, I don't think it's very motivating to say that, you know, that it's not concrete. You might get 400 contacts, but we don't know what that means. I mean, I guess you could say that, but I don't I don't find it, that there's any motivation in that at all. I think they're making a huge mistake in having everybody have the same goals. Now, the question is, on compensation, if you're making the same amount of money that your coworker is, then it makes sense that you have the same goals. But if you're accomplishing a lot more, you should have a higher salary and a higher title, in which case you would be held accountable to a higher level. But I don't, is that going on there? Yeah. So I think, um, I mean, I, I think we could take kind of Jake's experience and kind of broaden it out because I, I think a lot of people are struggling with this saying like, I don't really know how I get a promotion or I don't really know how I get a raise um, because my organization is not defining it very well. So so you get to that performance review and maybe you get a consistently exceeds or a three or however the, the performance review goes. But what does that mean? And I, Suzanne, I'm going to like take a step out of limb. I think a lot of companies just don't define that very well at They don't. And the other thing that they don't do very well, sometimes companies, and I suspect this is going on here, is that they have this idea that everyone has to be treated equally. Mm -hmm. Peanut Um, butter approach. It's terrible. Terrible. I like that peanut butter approach. (laughs) It was in a book. It's not mine. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) Um, I was going to give you credit. Nope. (laughs) Can't take it. yeah, they they don't understand what they need, and I see this a lot in the nonprofit world too. Um, it happens nonprofit world and and uh, family owned businesses tend to have a lot of the same problems um, that they're not quite sure. They know they need to rate their employees, but I don't really know how to do that. So we gave this goal. And now we have it. And yeah. that's about as far as they get. No, and thank you, Jake, for giving us a call on Career Talk and also for listening to us because I think this is an important topic because, it's, uh, you know, when you're talking about law, I don't know that you have any, like, legal stance to say that, well, I, you know, that I can prove that I performed better and I didn't get as much of a raise because I guess a couple of things. One, you know, companies aren't really sharing that salary information. Um, I think two, companies are, are don't have a measurable objective way often to to rate employees. And and I think there is, and to Jake's point, you know, the, the spirit of the law, you know, there's always a human emotion in, in who gets what percentage raise and how it's done and there are always exceptions, but I don't I don't think there's any legal repercussion, but I could be wrong, and that's why we have you on the show, Suzanne. Well, there can be a legal reper- repercussion if it turns out that um, you know Jake is performing at a higher level than than Jane, but they're given the same um, raises and the same salary. You could argue that that is a gender discrimination thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, can you prove it? I mean, it's going to depend on a whole host of issues. Yeah, I mean, let's be realistic. To to fight a company, like, you're talking resources that most people don't have access to, to prove something that, you know, is, is difficult to prove. It is difficult to prove. And, you know, you hear 
the news when someone wins a big settlement, but most HR cases are not big settlements. And like, what percentage? Like, I mean, because I, I agree with you. I mean, I think there are so many that are just like, I mean, unfortunately, leave the employee with tons of bills and nothing to show for it. Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I mean, some some employment lawyers will take things on contingency, but not but not a lot. Well, because they aren't usually slam dunk Mm-mm. cases and there's usually not huge damages either so it's hard to fight a well funded employer um it just is yeah i mean they have they have lawyers on their payroll they're used to dealing with this and it's it's unfortunate because you know there are a lot of probably unfair possibly illegal situations happening every day and you know the employee is the one who who has to suffer with that which sucks so hey if you've got a question for hr you are tuning in to career talk on the right day we are here with the evil hr lady aka suzanne lucas and i'm your host dr don graham and we are taking your calls all hour at 844 wharton that's 844-942-7866 so if you're always wondering what's going on behind the scenes or maybe maybe you're that person who um had to take on extra work because somebody left and you're saying, hey, why am I not getting a promotion or more money? How do I go about that? Give us a call, 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. But right now, Career Talk is going to our pre-break quiz. Quiz. There's a quiz? Okay, here we go. Bulletproof vests, fire escapes, windshield wipers, and laser printers all have this in common. Bulletproof vests, fire escapes, windshield wipers, and laser printers all have this in common. Think you know? Give us a call at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111, powered by the Wharton School, and we will be right back. You're listening to Career Talk on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Brand. Welcome back to Career Talk, your career insider. We are on Business Radio. Sirius XM, Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. And for more great advice, you can follow me blog at dawnoncareers.com or twitter at dr don graham and we're here with suzanne lucas aka the evil hr lady who can be found on evilhrlady.org talking about the mysteries of the human resources department what is really going on behind closed doors when you're applying for jobs or, or asking for a promotion what are they sitting back there talking about suzanne are they just laughing at us what um, yes that's all we're doing <laughs> <laughs> now you know they're just laughing at you <laughs> okay, I got I got some some quick facts, true or false. I, I I mean, Suzanne, I know you know the answer, so I might have to go to Michelle and Dion for these first. <laughs> all right, Michelle and Dion, this is your this is your little contest. I know I didn't tell you about this, but all right, true or false? Every company must provide rest breaks for its employees as dictated by federal law. True or false? True. Michelle, every company? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say false. Michelle got it. Woohoo! No breaks for you, Dion. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, one in three parents don't have a clue what their children actually do for a living. That's got to be true. <laughs> one in three. I'm going to say. Well, when you say don't know what they do, like they don't know where they work or they no, just don't no know what the job entails. Yes, this is not allowed. It just says don't have a clue. So if you have no clue, you probably don't. Yeah. Even no, no clue. No clue. True. <laughs> What do you think, Dion? True? Uh, I'm going to go false. No, true. They have no Man, idea. Man, I like this game. Your, your families have no idea you're here right now on the radio. So that's it. That's okay. true, actually. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing today? I got a Crickets. radio thing. Crickets. All right. Last one. This is a good one. Okay. An employee breaks a company laptop. The company can recoup the loss by deducting it from the employee's last paycheck. Mm. True that, or false? That's true. 
He yeah. seems confident. But he I'm, does seem confident, I, I, but I'm, seen, I'm going I've, false I've because of his record. Things happen. <laughs> so, interestingly, it's false. It's the really? cost of doing. Oh, so, so go out there and you know <laughs> run over your computer, and it, they'll have to your your company will have to pay for it. It's the cost of doing business. Why am I not getting like the the dings? Because because Dion's control. I'm feeling <laughs> very cheated. <right> <laughs> So there you go. There I like you have that it. game. Thank you. Yeah, no, I had, I had a, um, a colleague actually two weeks ago who ran over her computer. She said it was an accident, but I've had those days too. So, hey, if you accidentally... It's like office space. I know. Run <laughs> over your computer. Apparently, that's the cost of doing business. Hey, if you're just tuning in right now, we have got Suzanne Lucas, a.k.a. the evil HR lady, with us all hour. And we're taking your calls live at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. You can also tweet your questions at Dr. Don Graham. And, okay, Suzanne, so let's let's get to what's really going on. There's so many people in a job search right now, and they send their resume, and they're thinking, what happens after that point? Where does this thing go? What the heck is an applicant tracking system? Are people reading my resume? Are they, are they going to call me? I mean, what is going on here? What do they need to know? Well, what they need to know is that the applicant tracking system is essentially a black hole. And black hole. <laughs> That's it is. It's horrible. I mean, they're good. They're really good, especially for people like me who hate paper with a burning passion. So I want everything to be electronic. And in theory, you know, the applicant tracking system does that, but you know, when you sent paper resumes in, somebody had to open the envelope and, you know, at least sort them. So some human eyeball appeared, you know, looked at every resume. In an applicant tracking system, you apply through that, and then the recruiter can pull out resumes based on keywords. And if you're a fit, then you might get looked at. And if you're not based on the keywords, then you're not going to get looked at. And sometimes that can be really tricky if you have a similar skill but not an exact skill. So but these applicant tracking systems, though, they're super sensitive. I know you have to kind of program them, but, I mean, some of these, like, will, will spit out your resume if it's formatted incorrectly or if the right things don't fall in the right place. And, I mean, obviously, I'm a huge advocate of networking over applying online, um, and that's one. And I, I do have a question for you because I, I know a lot of my clients' experiences, and it feels so unfair. Um, so, okay, here's the company who has to – by law, interview people for an open position, even though they know they've already identified an internal candidate. So they've posted it on whatever career builder or their website. They bring people in, they interview them, they're great people, but they have no intention of hiring them. I hate this. I know there's reasons, but I want to hear your pros and cons against this because this sucks for job seekers. Sucks. There, is, there are no pros to this. There are none. I've never come up with one other than to check off someone's little little box. And So why do they a, still do it? Why? Well, sometimes it's, you know, in a lot of government jobs, there's a government regulation or whatever. But otherwise, it's just somebody had this policy. And in theory, what it's supposed to be is we're just we're not just going to give it to the internal person. We're going to conduct a real search and if this person comes out on top awesome then we'll give it to them yeah but they always come out on top i mean the only way they're not going to come out on top is if they say you know what i changed my mind i don't want it so here you are eager excited applied getting interviewed you're like the interview went well i'm going home telling my friends i'm like this went great we really hit it off and and then you know either you hear nothing or you know a week later you're like well we've identified a candidate who's stronger than you (laughs) it's worse than that though because you have taken a day off work on your job you've used your vacation time up um, you've spent some of your capital with your boss, and you're like, I need a Tuesday off. Why do you need a Tuesday off? You know, um, you've maybe prepped your references. Hey, you might mm-hmm. get a call. Yep. Um, or if you're unemployed, you've hired a babysitter. Or you know, sometimes if you're unemployed, just the cost of gas to get to get across town or to go to an interview in another city. Yeah, it's it's horrible. It's 
horrible. It's a horrible, mean, awful, nasty, terrible thing to do. So can you ask? Here's my question. Okay. I'm so happy that, you know, you as our HR expert is telling us how incredibly silly this is because you're always going to give it to the internal candidate. Um, Is there any way a job seeker can just say, um, you know, can you let me know if there's any internal candidates? Is there any graceful way to say that? No. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, "Mm, no. I'd love to come up with one. But there is a reality that it's not always going to go to the internal candidate because I hear from people all the time that are like, you know, they brought in somebody from the outside. The question that you want to ask is, have you already determined who's going to be taking this job? And, of course, they're going to not answer that. Or they're going to lie. I mean, let's face it. The whole point of this process is to make this fair and and everything, and it's just completely unfair. And it's not only unfair, it's awful. It it is. It's awful, and and it's mean. It's just downright mean. Downright mean. Yep. That's enough said. So there's really no way to know if you're competing against an internal candidate. I do think you can ask, though, you know, um, you can ask questions about the process and the timeline. So at least you're not wasting a lot of time. Because here's the other thing that I think is mean and wrong um, is is putting people through a ton of hoops. I've had clients who are like, I'm on my 15th interview and they've asked me to put together this presentation. And they've asked me to do all this stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm one of 10 candidates. And I'm like, come on, come on. <laughs> That is a lot of data, you know, if you're talking about still having a pretty large pool of candidates. You know, I think it's this applicant tracking system that has gotten us this idea that we can find perfection. And so... The purple squirrels. We, yeah. The purple squirrels. squirrels. There you go. I do love that so saying. We, I don't know why. I just do. We keep interviewing and, and we keep tweaking and we're just trying to find perfection whereas in the old days you know the resumes would come in the mail and you'd look at them you'd be like well i have to choose one of these five (laughs) that's it and and today you can get 100 200 people applying for a job so you're like well if i've gotten 200 candidates why can't i get 200 more you know i Mm -hmm. can find that person that has all 473 skills that we need yeah, and they keep – I've seen that too, that like you apply to a job and you you know you maybe get an interview or a phone screen and then like you don't hear anything and then all of a sudden you see the job again online and it's like tweaked a little bit and like, oh, now all of a sudden we want somebody who speaks German and somebody who, you know, like, like they keep tweaking it. Or you get in there, you have a great job description online and you get in there and it's not at all the job that you saw. That right. happens quite a bit. That happens, that happens too. And – Part of that can be incompetence on the part of the you know recruiter that just assumes, oh, well, this was the job description when we hired for this position five years ago, so I'm going to put that up. But part of it is that managers can't make up their minds either. Yeah, they want, they do want perfection. So what is it like? Okay, so I know we talked a little bit about like, you know, things maybe you can't control for. Um, but, you know, what the heck do you do when somebody's like, okay, you're overqualified? Because we we, we kind of know what that means. Right. We, what's what is like the <laughs> AKA what? Well, you know, the overqualified thing is funny because I hear it most from, you know, I'm a college graduate. I shouldn't have to work retail. I'm overqualified for retail. But you're not overqualified for retail. You're differently qualified. You know, being overqualified to run a cash register is someone who's been the store manager for the past 10 years. That person is overqualified to be the cashier. But somebody, you know, straight out of college isn't overqualified. They're differently qualified. They don't have too much experience in that area. So sometimes we use that term incorrectly. Sometimes, though, overqualified can be a code word for you're too old mm-hmm. for this position. Um, you know, we're looking for somebody less like you. Less qualified. But okay, so I know that happens. So what do people do? Because that obviously is discrimination. You can't prove it. Um, You know, the second you bring that up, you're going to be dropped from the roster of even being considered. So, So realistically, what can somebody say to that? Because granted, okay, maybe you have 20 years experience and they're only looking for 10. But does that mean it's not a good match? It depends on what you want. And your job is to convince them why you want this job and not why you want a job. 
And that's going to be the big difference. Um, you know, we all need jobs to put food on the table, and that's that's the truth. But if I'm hiring, I want somebody that wants the job that I am hiring for. Mm-hmm. I don't want somebody that just wants a paycheck. So you've got to be able to come up with a convincing reason um, that you maybe want to take a step back. Or, you know, if you say, you know, I realize that I've, been managing a department and this is an individual contributor role and I'm overqualified, but I feel like my talents are best suited as an individual contributor. I'm not a great manager. I want to return to an individual contributor role. And that can be a convincing argument as to why I'm willing to take this job that I am overqualified for. But if you can't come up with a reason, the hiring manager is going to be nervous that you're going to take this job and leave it as yep. soon as you find something. Or want better. a promotion pretty quickly. Yeah. And I will say that to all listeners, no matter what your situation, um, you always want to have a strong career story, which is the answer to that. Why this company? Why now? Why here? Because that is going to be the thing that tips the scales in your favor to get that offer. Because hiring managers are very afraid of turnover. It's costly. It obviously makes them look bad. And now they have to go through this whole hiring process all over again, um, which they don't want to do. So you need to have a strong answer for that that's rational, makes sense, and is compelling. And Susan, Suzanne, I'm going to answer the pre-break quiz because I know people are on pins and needles waiting for this answer. So, and hey, if you're just tuning in, you can give us a call at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We're here with the evil HR lady, and we're going to answer our pre-break quiz. All right. Bulletproof vests, fire escapes, windshield wipers, and laser printers all have this in common. You know I'm coming to you, Dion. You know it. Kevlar. Kevlar. Did you Google? What? No. Right, what is Kevlar? Kevlar is in, in bulletproof vests. Oh. But, but that's it. But, but not in windshield wipers <laughs> or laser printers. <laughs> but that guess. is true. That, I cannot argue with that statement, Dion. They, that is... Michelle? Well, I'm trying to apply it to the show. Yeah. Dion. Oh, so, <laughs> so my guess is going to be that they were invented by someone in HR. Interesting. You're close. Oh. You're very, very close. Close means you're wrong. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Suzanne, do you got a guess? Well, if you're close invented by it, maybe they all came from... IBM or Xerox invented the laser printer? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. They were actually all invented by women. Apparently, March is National Women's Month, which I did not know till till just today. And, um, yeah, all of these things, bulletproof vests, fire escapes, windshield wipers, laser printers, in addition to things like the circular saw, suspenders, and CPR Mannequin were all invented by women. So there you have it. Hey, we're taking your calls all hour at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. And we're going to Karen in New York. Karen, welcome to the show. I know uh, we are very always excited to have opinions on the topics that we're talking about, and we want to hear yours. Go on. Oh, thank you. I am really passionate about this topic. Awesome. Awesome. having had uh, 30-some years in a large global organization at a fairly high level where I did a lot of hiring and saw the transformation of the HR organization from a more hands-on to a computerized technological uh, online application like we look at, like we are all living with today. But one of the things that dawned on me as I was listening to your discussion about um, me and companies, they have an internal candidate, and why are they wasting your time coming in? I think a, a really important point for anyone that's out there looking is you want to establish relationships in these companies mm-hmm. for two reasons. You want to see, A, if that's how they do treat applicants, then maybe that's not a company that you really want to hook your wagon up to uh, for any kind of long-term career. But number two, You'll meet people, whether that's the job or not, because someone else has it. You'll make um, invaluable connections because there might be one other job you know, right around the corner. You never know. Yes. So um, you stay very optimistic and positive that you even got an interview because of that black hole you mentioned. 
<laughs> it's it's all dark and scary. I know we're making it all dark and scary, Karen. And you're bringing up two very good points. One, networking, which is, hey, if you're networking into these companies versus submitting your resume to the black hole of the applicant tracking systems, you're going to know that there's an internal candidate. Um, you're gonna you're gonna already know this, and you're gonna be able to, to make a decision based on that information. I think the second point that Karen is making that's that's very important is that you know what? If you are a great candidate, big companies especially who have a little bit more flexibility, but even smaller companies who have the flexibility might say, you know, wow, this person was great. Yes, we've already designated Suzanne for the the job, but um, we also have something else coming up soon and we'd love for you to interview. Or, you know, um, I know this isn't the job you're interviewing for, but maybe you'd be interested in this because we'd love to have you as part of the company. So I think those are two very good points. And what I'm going to say, Karen, that I want to kind of tie it all up in a boat is if you're in a job search and this is happening to you, that you, you lose out to an internal candidate, um, you know, do look at the greater opportunities. You did have a chance to practice interviewing. Um, you know, probably got a chance to meet some people, get some feedback, get some perspective. So there's always a silver lining to it. But also, I think putting all of your eggs in one basket is where you're going to get tripped up. So, Karen, thank you for that great reminder and giving us a call on Career Talk because the fact is, if you're a job seeker, you want your eggs in multiple baskets so you're not riding with one company or have all your hopes in one company. And that, you know, if this happens, then you still have lots of other backups to turn to. So, Karen, love that. Thank you for giving us a call on Career Talk. Hey, we are taking your calls all hour at 844-WHARTON. That's 844-942-7866. You can also follow my blog, dawnoncareers.com, or Twitter at Dr. Don Graham. And we are talking all about the mysteries of HR that go on behind the scenes. So I have a question, Suzanne. So, okay, exit interview. Should you really tell all... (laughs) <laughs> I, lo- I love I love that big like sigh like oh Don you're asking me these questions as if they're yes or no and they're never yes or no. No, you shouldn't. But you should. But you shouldn't. I mean, here's the thing. You should, but you shouldn't. <laughs> I want you to. I desperately want you to. You as the HR person, a, desperately. HR person okay. Because I can't fix problems I don't know about. Right. And. There's a lot of stuff that you can tell me that can help me make a better company. But the problem is that in order for me to do anything with that information, your boss is going to be able to figure out that the negative stuff came from you. And people say, oh, no, 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 we we do it all in the aggregate, right? Yeah, if you have a 30,000-person company and you're only reporting at the senior vice president level, then, yeah, you can be honest. But most managers only have, you know, maybe one person that quits a year. So they're going to be able to figure out pretty easily who it was that said this. And if I've got to now rely on you for a reference, not for the job that I've you know, right. leaving for, sure. but a reference five years down the road, I want to leave that on as positive as possible. So I totally understand why people don't want to be completely honest. I mean, some things are easy to be completely honest about. You know, the vacation policy really stunk. Mm-hmm. That's not offensive to your boss, unless your boss is the CEO. <laughs> but, you know, that that that's fine. Um you know, traffic getting to work was terrible. I needed a better commute. Another thing that's fine. My boss was a micromanaging weenie. Yeah. Micromanaging weenie. Leave that off your list of, of exit interview <laughs> statements. <laughs> I agree with you because here's the thing. Even if you don't put your boss, that that person who maybe you complained about in the exit interview, on your list of references in the future with social media, it's super easy to figure out who you worked for. And people may call that person anyhow. Exactly. And and lots of people think, well, it's illegal for them to call someone I didn't give the reference. No, it's not. No, no, it is not. I can, False. I can pick up the phone and call anybody I want to call. Now, will they talk to me? Maybe, maybe not. But there's no law that prohibits me from calling your boss. You know, there's just not. So I can call. So and, 
You're right. I can find it super easy. The other thing that's kind of a big trend, and I'm curious how the exit interview would impact this. So so one of the big trends of this past year has been boomerang employees. And those are the employees who maybe leave a company and then come back maybe three, four or five years later after getting different types of experiences. So if, if in my exit interview, I trashed my experience there, is that going to be in my file? So when I reapply five years from now, you're going to be like, oh, my God, Dawn said the most god-awful things when she left. We're not hiring her back. It could well be in your file. It's not something that has to be in your file. There's no federal law that requires, you know, let's keep exit interviews. But it could be. And even if it's not in your file, unless the whole company is turned over in that time, people are going to remember. And that's another reason why you don't want to do a spectacular quit. You know, even if you're completely justified, your boss is a horrible person, you're going to run into your coworkers again. And while they may have cheered you on, they don't want to work with you again. I will say this is a lesson that um, I have learned the hard way. I'm sure many of our listeners have learned the hard way. But you do not want to burn bridges. You do not want to burn bridges. I think in this day and age with social media, with how easy it is to come across people, with how easy it is to say, oh, I know a person who knows that person, that information will get out there. It. It will get out there so quickly. And, you know, one of, one of the craziest things to me is I worked in pharma in um, suburban Philadelphia for nine years, and now I live in Switzerland. Now, I'm across an ocean, mm-hmm. and yet the town I live in is also very heavy on pharma. And so I'm at a school function. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, where are you from? Oh, I'm from... Philadelphia. Oh, well, I used to live there too. Oh, where'd you work for? Oh, you know, and we know each other, you mm-hmm. know, there or, or we know people that know each other and we know the industry and we know the people and you're, you, you always have to be good. It can come back to bite you in the butt. If you're the person that, you know, sprayed whipped cream uh, as you left. Is that your story, that. Suzanne? No. Is it, but... no, wouldn't that be good? <laughs> I, I want some whipped cream. She sprayed whipped cream all over the office. Oh, I remember her. Yeah, don't hire exactly. her again. Yeah, no. <laughs> yep. Always leave as much as you, you are in a moment of fury or frustration. Always leave on a positive note because it will serve you well five years from now. Bite your tongue. If you need to, wait a day to, to, to resign. But leaving on a positive note can only help you further in your career. So, Suzanne, the time goes by Oh, so quickly when you are on. Um, we so appreciate your insider tips and, and honest HR perspective because it's very rare for us to have access to that. So, Suzanne, thank you for being on Career Talk. How can listeners reach you? You can find me at my blog, www.evilhrlady.org, or on Twitter at Real Evil HR Lady. At Real Evil HR Lady. So, Thank you for all of our listeners and all the people who gave us a call today. I want to thank Michelle and Dion, who are always good sports when I spring up those those impromptu true and false questions and ask them about their bad bosses. Um, such good sports. Love, love, love working with you guys. Um, and most of all, we are here every week to answer your questions. So if you have a question that we weren't able to get to, you can always send it to at Dr. Don Graham. You can also follow my blog at dawnoncareers.com where there's lots of advice on a weekly basis on all of your job search and career questions. So you've been listening to Career Talk on SiriusXM Channel 11. We are powered by the Wharton school and we are live every Thursday at noon Eastern. So we will see you next time.